Today, I want to talk about one of the uh, most common things that we run into, of course, in any sales career as we dive into, um, you know, especially focusing on what we encounter in real estate. Um, the earlier you are in your career as a real estate agent, the more likely you are to encounter this and the more damaging and crushing it can become for your overall results and outcome. And and really, the way someone handles the idea, the concept, the way they internalize rejection oftentimes will craft the trajectory of their career. And so today, as we work to make agents and entrepreneurs uh, more profitable and more productive by changing the way they think, what I want to change the way people think about is the way they think about rejection. And so first we have to, I think, understand who are you? So when I ask you that question, Mike, who are you? Well, uh, I would like to think I'm a nice guy. I'm a, I'm a Christian guy. I'm a, I try to be a good husband. Um, but I'm an entrepreneur and I'm a business person. So um, everything that I do is crafted from that lens. So it's really hard. You can kind of to step out and get out of your own way. Okay. So that's your self-identity then, right. right? So that's who you believe and have labeled yourself to be. And right. any time, do you act within that self-identity? Uh, I, I, no, I, I try. Well, yes, I do. I act within myself, uh, my, uh, identity and how I see value in my moral. Yes. So you act as a good husband, as, yes. a, as a Christian, as an entrepreneur. I try. Yeah. I strive to. That's your lens in which you make all your decisions. Correct. I try. Yes. Okay, so uh, we have we understand that then how you see yourself, how you identify as who you are shapes then um, to some degree how you behave, right? Yeah. And so the the next thing I think that we look at then is is social identity. Yes. So when you think about socially, who are you? Who who are who is Mike Bounds from a social perspective? Um, I I don't know if I give. I don't know what if I'm giving you the right answer. Um, I. I like to think that I don't give a lot of thought to it because I let I want other people like that's kind of their their lane to make that decision. But I mean, I wouldn't. What decision would you like for them to make about you? I would like them to think that I'm a, a decent human being and that I'm you know that I'm a good person. I guess that you're a good and person. I'm handsome and handsome. <laughs> well, I don't know who wouldn't think that. So I'm joking. If what else would you want someone socially to think about you? Do you show so up in a certain way for them to see you or believe that you are identify with you as? Um, could you repeat that? Do, do you believe that you behave in a way that yes. causes you to? For, that causes other people to see you in a certain um, or identify with you in some particular aspect. So would you would you behave socially as a good person, as a good husband, someone who's a Christian, so that others would see you that way? Yeah, I think yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. absolutely, yeah. And and as someone who's handsome, you would want them to see yep, you as absolutely. someone who's handsome. <laughs> and so what's interesting is when we think about rejection, I think it's I think it's important that we start to understand. Nobody ever talks about this in sales, by the way. Right. And and everybody always tells you in sales that you have to like just get over rejection. Just get used to it. Just make peace with the rejection by doing it more. What, and yet, they embrace the suck. Yeah, right. And what's interesting is, is that psychology and all of the data would tell us that there, there is little ability to actually get used to rejection okay. because rejection has the, a, a incredibly negative impact. And we'll talk about that in a little bit, okay. but, but 
I think it's important to know um, socially who you are and how you attempt to identify yourself. And so there was a lot of research done and there's an amazing book that I always encourage people to read. And it's a book called uh, Influence, The Art of Persuasion by Robert Cialdini. And uh, Cialdini was a um, was a behavior uh, psychologist um, and one of the studies that he did in, in the mid-70s was on the concept of social identity. And in his research, he said that social identity is the theory that individuals seek to boost their self-esteem through their own self-identity and by attaching to the identity of others. Okay, so we see social identity again. I'm going to go back. The theory that individuals seek to boost their own self-identity and the identity of others and so as Cialdini attempts to prove or disprove the concept of social identity and, it, and how um, that relates, oddly enough, to rejection, um, what Cialdini uncovered was that people have four means of social identity theory, and that's through social categorization, as in there's the tendency to divide into groups of us and yes. them. Yes, Okay? So yeah. you see yourself as us and them, and so as part of your identity, you see yourself as... Uh, a Christian, so that's us. Yes, and then there's there's them, them which is not Christian, right? right? So that's social categorization. Then there's social identification, which is that you adopt the identity of the group in which you've categorized yourself to belong to, and it also means that you may adopt some of the values and behaviors of that group. Hmm. So in this example, you've chosen to hmm. adopt some of the values and behaviors of the group that you've categorized yourself with hmm. as a Christian husband, right? So then there's social comparison. Hmm. So you identify, uh, sorry, the social identity contributes to your self-image so that you seek positive social identity in order to maintain or improve your own self-esteem. Hmm. You, do you see yourself as a Christian husband? Therefore, when you act that way, you get more so positive social identification and, and improve your self-esteem when you show up as who you say you are or who you attempt to be. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like a self, you know, it's a, it's a funnel. It just, That's right. It's a self-fulfilling go- narrative. Yeah, yeah. narrative. I, I, I was going to say prophecy. That yeah, was wrong. No, it's true. But narrative, Both, yeah. it's absolutely right. Yeah. Yep. And so then there's positive distinctiveness, which is when you compare the us group to the them group, of similar status in order to establish a feeling of superiority Mm. for your group comparative to others. Mm. So you believe everyone does that however they associate their social identity Mm -hmm. is better than the social identity of someone else. So you, you wouldn't choose to be a good husband and a Christian man if you didn't believe that was the superior choice. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. So, so what's interesting and how I think all of this fits in is that social identity and self-identity shape how we're able to tolerate rejection okay. and make peace with it. Okay. okay. So in further studying this, Cialdini found that um, that oftentimes people will will behave in a way in which they believe to be socially correct on the basis of how others act and believe to be correct. It's really a lot of what we see right now happening. This is that concept of herding, right? As we see the herd behavior controlling how people feel about something and what actions they're willing to take or willing not to take based on the herd. Are they safe comparative to their social and self-identity or not? Mask or no mask? Yeah, you can totally see that going on right now. Yeah, big time. 
Crazy. So <laughs> if you identify with the group of mask wearers, you wear a mask willingly. And if you identify as part of the group unwilling to wear a mask, you don't wear a mask very willingly. And you're you look at the other group. That's right. Is inferior. A, is inferior. Yeah. <laughs> yep. You idiot. You're wearing a mask. Or you're, you know, it's crazy. You're absolutely right. And so all of this has to do with evolutionary psychology, <laughs> right? And this is this is part of being mm. inclusive as as part of being a tribe and being a part of something. And that's because that physical distinctiveness um, creates motivation to be a part of a group. And then we're, when we're part of that group, we, we believe that it's positive. And when we compare ourselves to others, that, that we are um, superior to the other, the other way of thinking or the other way of behaving. And that gives us a positive self-concept that we, we believe that our way of acting and thinking is, um, is superior. And, and what Cialdini went on to, to uncover and research and, and identify is that this happens in universities all over the country right. every weekend. Right. And so when you go to a, a Big Ten campus Absolutely. or any other major college university, what you see is when the football team wins on Monday, the students go to class wearing disproportionately more university apparel than they did on the week's in which the team lost. Huh. So when your football team, yeah, when your I'm football better. team wins, you support their apparel. Right. When they lose, they're you're less likely to wear it. What's interesting too is that in in this study, Cialdini went on to um, to find that that when a, when a team wins, you refer to them as we want we won or we're Super Bowl champs, or we are this. They lost. And when they lose, it's they lost. <laughs> they lost. And that's yep. all about social identity, right? It's how do you want others to see you as when you um, identify with either a winner or a loser, okay? okay. And so okay. all of this has everything to do with the fact that as, as a as a herding animal or as um, a society in which we've always been um, part of communities or part of tribes where we're incredibly connected, we need to be a part of a group right? because there's safety in groups. Yes. And, and when you're isolated, it's no different than when, you know, a wolf is isolated from a wolf pack. The, that isolated wolf will unsuredly, will, will, will die um, very quickly if it's isolated. The wolf, in order to survive, needs a pack to hunt with. Right. And and therefore, we as people need to be a part of something that we have commonality with, something that is superior in order to survive and feel as though we're thriving. Right. Absolutely. So what does that all have to do with rejection? So to me, um, I, I see that when you pull yourself away like that's the whole thing with being an entrepreneur is yeah. there is no pack when you it's you by yourself and oftentimes the the job is a a really big job that should be split up so then you have to be able to identify your strengths and then you know partner up so that's what the, from a rejection perspective over time like i could see like with the anxiety and building up and so you're less likely to be able to cope with that yeah yeah, that's an interesting thing that you you made me think of in listening to your interpretation of um, social identity and being an entrepreneur. Is a lot of times when you when you look at highly um, successful and influential entrepreneurs who get massive amounts of fame, right? They started with someone else. Yeah, 
you know, there's jobs in Wozniak, right? Yeah, and Disney. Yeah. Back, uh, the brothers. Right, yeah. yeah. Musk, it, it was Elon and his brother as well. When they started, there was almost always a Robin and a Batman yeah. in order to break through that entrepreneurial ceiling. And that's because otherwise what you have is you're trying to create something massive in social isolation. Yeah. And the likelihood of you being mentally and emotionally strong enough to survive in emotional isolation is incredibly it's unlikely. Exhausting. Yeah. It's exhausting. Like, cause you, you have no contact text. It's disorienting. Yep. Um, I tell people, I know this is an overused cliche. It's literally, you're building an airplane as you jump off of a cliff and then hopefully <laughs> yeah. the airplane will fly before you hit the ground. And a lot of times you you know, even if you can find an instruction manual on how to yeah. build the airplane, a lot right. of times you can't read it or you can't interpret it. You can't step out of the airplane long enough to understand how to actually apply the work that needs to be done in order to build it to sustainably fly. I, yeah, I, I read the MREA book probably four or five. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> now you're making sense. It makes sense, right? But you have to read it and reread yeah, it and go back and reread it. But then what you need is you need a coach who's helping yeah. to decipher that says, okay, Mike, I know you read this and I see you doing that. Yeah. Tell me how this and that are in alignment with um, with what your current behavior or business direction is. Um, this where which is where having another person is incredibly beneficial yin and yang. as an entrepreneur. Yeah. So even if you can't start with um, with a co-pilot as an entrepreneur, there needs to be someone involved um, as a coach. Right. Someone has to be in deciphering the day to day. I would argue that once a week is likely not enough if it's if it's just um one person and nobody else is along for the ride yeah. is one one time a week may not be enough to actually get where you want to go in any sort of timely uh manner before spiraling to a point of hitting a ceiling yeah. or emotional or mental burnout or which wall. is a totally different topic <laughs> yeah. for another day cuz what we'll do is we'll piggyback rejection and burnout together because these two things um, oftentimes um, aren't uh, discussed in the same framework and yet they they really uh, roll out uh, one roll up really to um, each other because in in rejection again re- rejection is is part of being uh, self-identity and social identity right and so you said that you want socially to be seen as uh as someone who's handsome right. and yet if i told you every day that you were ugly sooner Which or later more often than not. <laughs> sooner or later <laughs> your social and self-identity begins right. to change it will it's it that's what this is rejection enough rejection over time leads it could be could lead to burnout i don't i don't yeah. want to say it's the only thing but it could and so if I'm a new agent, if I'm an agent or an entrepreneur who's trying to grow a business, who's trying to start something to break through a ceiling, how do I then make peace with rejection or how do I use the rejection um, in order to be less painful on my way to where I want to go? It's not, especially in this, in this business, it's not, rejection is just a part of it. So if it, if it hurts you, you have to do like mental gymnastics. You have to separate yourself from the rejection. You're not being rejected. Whatever that is, we're in real estate. It's our services. It's our story. So 
is it that I did not tell a compelling enough story in order to overcome that rejection? So that's the way I look at it. So if I'm, if I'm, if I'm going to, if I'm, I'm a Christian man, right. And I'm married. And if I want to date somebody before I got married, I want to go to a restaurant or to a bar. And I want to, I want to go on a date with somebody. I don't go into that room expecting to go on a date with all, with every woman in that room. I expect to go in there and talk to several women. And then maybe one of those women I could go on a date with. So it's a mindset. If you go in um, as an entrepreneur, as a salesperson, if you go in expecting that every person you come across is going to, you're going to have a compelling argument and they're going to buy from you, you are setting yourself up for failure. It's interesting because what I wrote down was that your, your story is what's rejected. Your right. script is being rejected, not you. Not you. Your business itself is not actually um, the one who's being rejected. It's the way in which you presented it. Right. So you so I have to figure that out. Like, okay, what is my presentation? What can I do better next time? What can I do on that phone call? Like that is being rejected, not me. Have you always have you no. always felt that way? No. Yeah. No, that just has come over time. That's just, you know. I'm I'm old school. I've been doing this for a while. You, you have kids, a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is. I'm just. Uh, somebody said something to me uh, two years ago that that has stuck with me for some reason. That I've tried to make sense of and and just look for possibly anecdotal evidence of. And I I try to do this in parenting every day myself. I make this is my one goal every day as a parent. Um, Someone, someone asked me the question that said, did your, did your mother tell you as a kid that you could do anything you ever wanted to? And did she tell you all the time that you could do whatever you wanted and therefore that's why you went out and did it? Were you raised that way to be able to tolerate rejection because you were built up? Or did you have to build some of that self-confidence in order to overcome rejection? I think I had to, I think I built it. Okay. Now, how do you think as a parent, you, you parent, um, and does that shape any of the way yeah, you would try to raise your kids? I, I think I'm the opposite. I think that I, I, I parent from like what you said, like the, you know, Hey, you can do anything yeah. and just, and literally try to guide that person through their, through, you know, my ba- the kids through their strength. Yeah. You know, because not everybody's an NFL running back. Yeah. And that's obvious, by the way. But inside, not everybody's a certain, you know, they have certain gifts. So you have to make sure that you put them in a right position where they can take advantage of their talent and their gifts. It's so interesting because, you know, I make a point every day to tell Hudson that I'm proud of him. That's the number one thing that I that I do every day yeah. is, um, is my my number one mission to accomplish is literally at some point multiple times throughout the day to tell him that I'm proud of him. Now I don't tell him after he did something that might get himself in trouble. However, um, that's my my goal every day is to ensure that he knows that, um, that, that I love and support him unconditionally so that he has that level of safety from a, from a social identity standpoint. And so that my thought is that it builds to his own self confidence and self identity. And so that's what I wonder is, is can you actually create um, and, and improve 
someone's willingness to be rejected or the the pain in which it causes by increasing the strength of their armor by by telling them things took over help them help them counteract the rejection yeah yeah and it another thing the other way the the opposite emboldens them yeah so when i walk into a room i have a certain level of confidence that you know i've been told my whole life that i'm this and it you walk you walk in you know confidence so you told your story or you tell yourself a story that you aren't being rejected your story or your script is being rejected right when you're leading people what do you tell them uh, you mean when I'm making, when I'm doing the whole call thing? You, yeah. Or you bring somebody I'm, on board and say, okay, here's the phone, start dialing and, uh, smile and dial. And then they get punched in the face by the first 12 leads. What do you tell them? Um, I tried to tell them that I, t- I, I do the whole, the whole date thing. I think that that really, that really paints the picture. I know that when I first started calling people, my, I wanted to set every appointment and every person that I called. So over time, I've realized that as I'm talking to people, there are certain people that I just don't want to do business with because I just don't feel like they're ready. I don't feel like, um, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, of course. They're not I the do. right client for yeah. me. So then, and talk, if you, if I call you and you say a four letter word and you're cussing me out because I'm calling you. What's the likelihood that we and you are going to have a, a great relationship yeah. through through that? So I'm actually happy when people do that because that just lets me know that I don't want to work with that person. And yeah. that's it's taken me a lot of maturity. And it also taken me to the point where I'm really good at what I do and I'm going to have leads. So the part of it is I'm not desperate for leads or for people to where I can let people go. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, but you had to build that, right? Cuz you yeah. cuz you did real you've done real estate now twice, right? Right. And so what was the difference between the t- the first time that you were in real estate and you and you didn't have the success? I just the- didn't know what I was doing. Like I got in you know 500 bucks anybody can get their real estate yeah. license and then you're like, okay. So did you ever get rejected then? Yeah. And how how much more likely were you to bounce back from rejection the first time versus the second time that you did? Uh, I would like to think that I'm better at it now. What changed? Uh, what changed is my mindset. Like I'm not getting rejected. Like, it's just like when people don't pick me, it's just because I did something wrong. My story, like I didn't do a good job of communicating my story to that person. So you've detached yourself from your story, correct? I told my wife. Yeah, I'm literally, it's like you have to be a sociopath. Yeah. (laughs) I think this is important. Your identity. you totally have to be a sociopath with it. Anyway. I think this is important, though. Your identity of who you are is not the same identity of what you say to to someone when you're attempting to, to convert them from prospect to customer. Right. Okay. Talk, because talk it, about that. What's well, that? It, it means that that you don't associate your self-worth, your self-confidence with whether or not someone chooses to do business with you because you've detached who you are, your identity. Uh, you've detached the identity from your story, your okay. script. Okay. And therefore, it, getting rejected has little to no impact on you. It's like water off a duck's back. That's right. And that's because you've made a subconscious or conscious choice to say that that's not who you are. 
Right. With it, now that takes time or yeah. a high degree of emotional awareness that most people who fail or struggle in this business haven't yet been able to, um, to articulate or haven't been able to make peace with or even been taught how to do that. Yeah. Because I, but I guess if we look around and we, th and we think about the concepts of social identity and we, we think about how, um, university students behave as it pertains to a winning athletics program, I actually believe that you can create an organization that encourages rejection and builds a detachment around identity and um, rejection by making rejection part of the social hierarchy and okay. part of that social identity. And so, there are actually, I, I think, uh, organizationally ways in which you could build a business to where um, rejection is encouraged mm -hmm. and it is actually celebrated. And you should expect it. You should expect it, but you should also celebrate it. Okay. Because what you've done now is, is you've changed the way in which you've taken what what is often seen as a negative and turned it into a positive. Okay. And so it's when when... When something isn't negative, it no longer hurts as much. Right. And crazy enough, there's a there's a ton of research and data done around uh, rejection. And oddly enough, uh, physical pain and rejection actually hurt pain receptors equally as much. I believe that. It's the reason why you can get drunk or take painkillers and go to a bar and get rejected or say things you otherwise would never say. Wow. Because yeah. your pain, your pain receptive, your pain receptors don't feel rejection yeah. the same way. Right. I can be rejected. I'm like, that's right. It doesn't shrug matter. It off. That's yeah, right. Shrug it off, and I'm going to the next. That's one. right. It's not nearly as painful. <laughs> and what we know uh, uh, from an evolutionary perspective is, is that our our goal of of our entire subconscious and our and of everything we do is is attempting to keep us alive always, right? Yeah, yeah. And so when we're rejected, we're both being uh, at risk of being outcast as part of the social identity and the social hierarchy, and it causes us internal pain. And we remember painful experiences much more than we remember the things that went really well. Yeah. And so the more pain that we um, attach towards rejection, the less likely we are to go back out and get rejected. Yeah. And so in building an organization, it should be the goal that you create actually an environment where rejection is celebrated so as to dissolve the pain that comes from the actual event of rejection itself. Okay. Then how do you take losing and make losing actually the superpower of your organization by creating it as part of your identity? I, I, to me, I don't know, because to me, I've learned so much through pain. I learned more when you're fat and happy, you don't really get up. Yeah. <laughs> you just kind of keep being fat and happy. So like the last three years have been extremely painful. <laughs> but I've learned a lot and I, and I yeah. think that I've grown a lot uh, out of that. So I, to answer your question, I, the way that I, it's kind of, I alluded to it earlier when I, I talked about, you know, the lady cussing you out. I celebrate that. I'm so glad that she fired herself for me. Okay. Is that, is that what you're tracking? Yeah, yeah absolutely. So I mean, so it literally, she does my job for yeah. me when yeah. she rejects me. I look at it as like, that's not a decision that I don't have to make. And it gives me more time to find the right person that I want to partner with to help. Does that make sense? Absolutely. It does. So I'm going to paraphrase what I, what I heard you say, which is you've changed the way you look 
at winning. What you said is that she fired herself, therefore it's a win. Yeah. So now you're, you're programmed to believe that when someone rejects you, you've won by winning your time back. Got it back. And, and you're no longer going to waste time with someone who's not going to do business with you. You've changed the entire narrative of rejection in this particular instance. And so if you're building an organization, you're creating a team, starting a company, it's how do you, how do you move the goalposts in a way in which the new, um, the new goal or the objective is one in which um, is incredibly smaller. The field yep. is really small. You're no longer trying to move someone from day one to um, to day two, them getting a new listing contract. Right. You're instead celebrating them picking up the phone. Making phone calls. Hey, one phone made, call. That's we, the goal, right? Right. Because if you can win that, now we can start to celebrate. We can change the- hey, you made a phone that's call. That's right. <laughs> Good job. That's right. Whereas if you, if you, if you said make 1,000 phone calls on day one and they don't make 1,000 phone calls- yeah. You're like you're already starting to create a new identity of someone who doesn't follow through and act on what they committed to do. Right. And the and the more often that someone doesn't do what they say they're going to do, they start to create an identity of someone who doesn't do what they say they're going Conditioning. to do. And that's self-identity, right? And we yeah. all want to remain in alignment with self and social identity. And so I think that as an organization, the goal is is how do you build identity around people? that celebrates losing or what might be perceived as losing is actually being a win. Um, do you celebrate the small? So like you celebrate phone calls, you celebrate appointments. Yeah. You celebrate all the small things that lead up to the big thing. Correct. So in my organization, we never celebrate closings. Right. In fact, closings are my least favorite part of the entire process. Right. I haven't even attended a closing and I don't know how long, no matter how many um, closings I've had, I don't personally attend them. And, and that's because um, somehow I changed how I identify with the process with closing is, is merely the like outcome of it's something. It's your job. I, yeah, that's right. This is what we're here for. Yeah. And people are like spiking like, the football yeah. like, yo, bro, this is what we're doing. That's how I felt when I graduated. <laughs> that's how I felt when I graduated high school. I was uh, like, no, what have I been on. doing the last 13 years? Yeah, this is, Wasn't this supposed to yeah, be the outcome? Right, yeah. I've invested 13 yeah. years. Why is this a celebration? I'm the exact same. People yeah. like, Mike, you doing this and you're in this magazine? No, this is my job. This is what I do. <laughs> That's right. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So anyway. So so we celebrate we celebrate then appointments and we celebrate listing contracts yep. and pendings because yep. the closings are a byproduct of everything else. So we've shortened the goalpost. Whereas if I set a goal around the number of closings that you should have as a new agent or the number of um, of you know signed contracts, the goalpost is further out. Yeah. There's no ability to build momentum today because there's that's a lagging indicator activity. Right. And how do I get there? That's like, right. I remember as a young guy and I worked for a builder and I had this stupid goal. And I'm like, how am I going to get to that? Yeah, I had right. no clue how to get from here to here. Yep. And so to bring that down, you have to break it down into bites. This is Ford 
what we talked about a couple of weeks ago, you got to break it down into smaller pieces. That's right. Yeah. And, and so as an organization, what you do is you set a goal or you set an, an objective for um, someone in your organization to be able to accomplish something. So as to build momentum for what they can actually accomplish, because momentum really is one of the most impactful things that a business or a team or anyone can really have. Right. Is you either have momentum that's carrying you forward or is causing your plane to stall out. Yeah. The big Friction. time difference between the two. It is. And what you find is you you need people in your organization who are able to create that social identity and to celebrate it. Yeah. And so one of the things that I've realized in my own organization is that if we're not doing a good job of celebrating social identity and creating social identity, in momentum and energy begin to stall out. Yeah. And so think about um, athletics in if there's no ability to tailgate at a football game or before a football game at Auburn University or some major uh, university football program, what's the likelihood that people start to slowly fizzle out and dissolve from being Auburn University fans? If they don't tailgate and you don't have apparel and you don't have language yeah. and culture that is yeah. all in alignment with the traditions and the social um, identity around that university football program, it fades. it fades. It does. And and so model that in your business and in your organization that says, okay, how do I rip off and duplicate yeah. what makes incredibly effective um, and successful athletic programs in my own business? Well, the equation is, you know, you're creating culture uh, by having language um, and narratives right. and, and history right. that is in alignment. Um, you're celebrating as a, as a group, as a social structure. Um, and then you're, you're, you have to have some wins, yeah. which means you have to determine what a win is. Right. And, and the beauty is, is that oftentimes the win can change Yeah, and it should change because you have an objective, right? You have an objective, which is to win the national championship but sometimes you just have to win this possession. Sports is a perfect analogy because everybody has to be, it's a team. So everybody has to be doing their job. That's right. And if anybody ever steps out of a line, um, then, you know, you have to practice football stance, like just the stance, like in, in training camp. So what this is, is you're celebrating, hey, you know, these little drills that you're doing in order you're compounding all these drills in order to play a game in order to win the game in order to win the championship yeah. and you're celebrating these little drills that will get you along the way and so what's interesting is that uh, it kind of yeah. as we wrap up is that the thing that i've noticed in my own business and i and i observe in other people's and that um that i'm that i'm disappointed that potentially i've deviated from this is that oftentimes we can actually overcomplicate business in general or organizations in general by thinking that it is something more yeah. complicated or more challenging than it actually yeah. is. It is nothing more than stacked habits and fundamentals. Totally. Every athletics program goes back to blocking and tackling every single That's week it. at every single practice. And yet what they, what most people want to do in their organization is, is parade someone out on stage or at an event or on a Zoom call 
um, who's talking about all the wonderful things they're doing at a really high level. And yet it's nothing more than an amalgamation of habits and fundamentals. Blocking and tackling. That's, that's, that's it. it. And what we have to do in an organization is always go back to the blocking and tackling piece and celebrating that as the actual win instead of the the winning the Super Bowl. Yeah. If we win blocking and tackling enough times, yeah. we always win the Super win Bowl. Su- but we're looking at those touchdowns, that's those right. highlight and reels. And thinking that's the actual skill to learn. That's it. And, it, and it's not. It's not. <laughs> and, and, and so that unfortunately causes yeah. a distraction for most people in business is thinking that the, the dunks, the 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 touchdowns are actually the path to winning. Yeah. It's nothing more than winning the fundamentals and winning each possession. And so everything else becomes a reject becomes a distraction. And therefore when we don't score touchdowns, we feel rejected. Right. And, and it is how we make peace with rejection that shapes um, our own self identity and the identity of our social network. Um, and that's what, what, builds an actual winning environment. So as a takeaway, I think is how do you implement is, is that you make peace with, with who you are as your self identity so that you know what, if you're starting something as an entrepreneur is what do you want your organization to look like and feel like that's in alignment with who you are. Right. And then how do you create that, that social framework so that everyone in your organization um, is in alignment to, to you as well. Right. So you're getting others who are like-minded, like personality, like values and beliefs around you. Yeah. Um, so that as you're all working towards a common mission, you can work faster together because you're in alignment always. Um, and then if, if rejection sets in for too long, momentum stalls out. Right. And so then you have to shorten the goalposts and change the way that you look at winning and how you celebrate winning in order to accomplish a much larger winning environment. Okay. And 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 everything else is overly complicated. Right. And part of that is we have access to way too much information, as you know. Right. And part of it is is we model after people we think are winning at a high level and yet they're executing on fundamentals. We're celebrating the touchdowns. That's right. Instead of celebrating the fundamentals. What are they doing? Yeah. To get those touchdowns. Because the it's not, it's not sexy, so no one talks about no. it. You never get paraded on stage to talk about no. what you're actually doing at the fundamental level of building success. It's, uh, it's the reason why we've That's been it. able to take unlicensed real estate agents and make them wildly successful is because all we teach is fundamentals Blocking in a winning environment. That's right. That's it. That's, That's totally right. It. And everyone else, for the most part, oh, overcomplicates man. it. Yeah. We t- and this is a, the dope thing. As an entrepreneur, you get to define the win. Yeah, you it is. To, you know, as long as it's you establish where you want to go and then you say, hey, this is our win. And then hopefully that blocking and tackling, if you execute, will get you all the way to the Super Bowl. So, so next week, what I want to do is talk about how do we take um, how do we take what we know now about rejection and how it um, crafts a narrative and an identity around who we are and who an organization is. And then if we're not able to make peace with that rejection or if we're not able to build a, a, a social identity or a social network um, that supports our own self-identity, how does that cause us to move into burnout? What is it that um, not being able to make peace with where we are or where we're going 
What does it do for um, what many of us see as burnout, regardless of the industry, but especially in real estate and entrepreneurship, when oftentimes it's there's really a, common. Yeah, yeah, there's a massive amount of of loneliness or isolation that manifests itself in in substance abuse or right. in in seeking to either burn out all the way out of the business. How do we take rejection and and leverage that as um, something to to actually offset um, or avoid being burnt out in this business. So we'll dive into that as, as really kind of part two of this conversation okay. on our next episode as it pertains to burnout. Yeah. You know what I love about this? I We are real professionals. We're real entrepreneurs. Yeah. And we're telling this stuff, if you're an entrepreneur, there's a lot of other people out there that are going through similar things, that have gone through the same thing, that are going through this. And I, this is real. And that's yeah. what I love about it. Yeah, because really anybody can tell you about a buyer seminar that yeah. they did virtually. Anyone can tell you about a technique, a tactic. And the reality, though, is, is if you don't make peace with with um, the emotions, the, the mental game, the, the psychology that goes into being a real estate agent on an entrepreneur, burnout and, and isolation is bound to yeah. set in eventually. Yeah. And if this was easy, everybody would That's be right. doing it. That's like right. everybody yeah. would be balling out of control. So yeah. this is, this is real. Yep. So we keep it real here. Awesome. Well, we'll, we'll catch up again on the next episode. Then on part two, as we talk about how do we, how do we use what we know about rejection in order to avoid burnout? Let's go.